Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And we now know, talking of games, exactly which three will be played in London next season. Arguably, in fact, not arguably, definitely the best slate of games we've ever seen in London. We're going to break those down. We're going to hear from Mark Waller and OCU Manura as well. And we're going to preview the divisional round. This is the Gridiron Show. Uh, hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you, yes you, into the game. Uh, I have just returned from uh, a lovely building on the outside of a very unfinished stadium uh, where we've had the announcement about this year's London Games. So we're going to break that down, we're going to get some of your responses off Twitter. We're going to hear from Mark Waller, the Executive Vice President of uh, of Events and International. He's had his job title slightly changed and I actually managed to remember it. And OC Humaniora, just a little couple of minutes bite of OC as well. Uh, joining me because Ollie is still off in the Alps as if this isn't an important time of year for people that cover the NFL. I've got Matthew Sherry. Hello, buddy. Hey, man. It's great to be a, a, a replacement referee again, isn't it? You literally couldn't sound less enthusiastic right now. I'm just upset that you've suggested I've already had the show because Ollie's not here. Are you, are you actually upset about that or are you just being a bit silly? Of course, I'm not your dial. Good, good. You really I'm, left a I'm long pause then as well. I was like, there's a really big delay, but you're just genuinely sad about it, I think. I'm fine, mate. I'm good. Good, good. Um, right, let's, uh, let's talk London Turkey, because that's what people have come along for. Forget the niceties, forget the how are you, how are the kids, all of that stuff, or kid. I, I literally don't care right now. I just want to talk London games. As they announced three games for this coming autumn at Tottenham's new stadium on October the 14th, the Seattle Seahawks will be the road team against the Oakland Raiders, and then either the 21st or 28th, week six, seven and eight of the season, so three games back to back to back. We'll have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans at the Los Angeles Chargers. Three new teams coming over to the UK, kind of four if you count the Chargers as new because they're in Los Angeles now. We've got three playoff teams from this season of two of the teams that didn't go to the playoffs of the three that didn't go to the playoffs this year all three of them should have done based on the quality of their teams these are really good games these are really good matchups and i think the fact that they've gone from four games to three games because of the spurs stadium issue has been completely we've heard a couple of moans from it on social media but it's mostly been entirely negated by just how good the games are matt the people who were mourning are just people who want to mourn, aren't they? There's no negative. I mean, I'd rather have these three games than last year's four games, and I wasn't that critical of last year's four games. But this is, without question to me, the best slate of games we've ever had. Can't wait already. I mean, I generally don't even head down to London for all of them, as you well know, Will. Um, because as you have a reputation for doing. Yeah, well, I've got other responsibilities on a Sunday, and it's not that exciting a game at that point. I generally don't bother, but I quite literally I, had a I conversation. For... I quite literally had a conversation with someone who works in the uh, who works in the accreditation department when we had a problem with one of our guys getting into the first game at Wembley last year. They just went, "Well, it's Matthew Sherry actually coming. We could just give him his pass. He's generally not normally here. You're a disgrace, mate." Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> but I can guarantee that at least two of the three. I'll be there, and the third one will be kind of depend on how the Chargers and the Titans are doing. But listen, it's it's such an exciting slur. I mean, so exciting. How can you not be excited by it? It's the the quarterbacks, the matchups, everything is perfect. I think. Except for not having the Packers, but I'm sure that'll be next year. Just three teams left then. It's the Packers, the Texans, and... What's the other one, mate? Panthers. Panthers, that's it. Are the only teams who haven't made it over to the UK so far. Um, Look, they made a big deal about making sure they could get three over. They made a big deal about making sure that three of eight... Uh, th- th- sorry, the three of the six teams that hadn't been over before were going to be over. Um, and yeah, just all in all, they handle it very well, considering that there could have been a real backlash about the issue with the stadium. I mean, what they were saying in the press conference when you know Daniel Levy was saying that he was confident that Spurs were going to be playing games there from August, that they they decided that much like with Wembley, much like with Twickenham, one game the first season, test the waters, see what works and see what doesn't, get fan feedback. 
and then do two from the year after. And he actually said, not just to me separately, which you'll hear, but during the press conference as well. And don't worry, we will make that extra game up in a future year. It does. That does feel a little bit like a, a bit of PR speak in there. And that this stadium wasn't going to be ready necessarily, or, or they have got some concerns about that. There are backup plans in place, luckily enough. So Raiders Seahawks, which is obviously the, the, the headline grabbing matchup in terms of UK fans. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it was all very well handled considering how very little negative feedback we've had. Yeah, I mean, well handled is, the, is, is for me the right word because, because I mean, I, I don't believe for one minute that that's the reason there's only three games. I think there were there were real issues with the stadium and they just didn't want to take the risk. And I think when he said there's a backup plan for Tottenham, my guess would be, and this is just a complete guess, that the backup plan's only available for one game. And he's saying the stadium's in America, but there's, it would be a disaster if they had to move one back to America. So I, I don't believe for one minute. It's a great spin that they've put on it, but I, I don't necessarily believe that it's true. But ultimately, I think what might have happened, and again, this is just pure speculation, is maybe they realised that it was going to be an issue, that they were going to be able to do three games. And then I think subsequently, to offset any negativity that they might have had, they've went out and said, right, we need to put together an outstanding slate of three games. To me, they've done that. And as I said earlier, I would rather have three games of this quality than four lesser games every day of the week. And part of that as well is having three games back to back to back. That is another part of their road bump to getting a franchise over here, making sure that they can maintain the interest over that time, particularly like the media interest, for example. Certainly when I spoke with Mark Waller, he spoke a lot about their media partnerships and spoke a lot about the coverage of the game out here, uh, etc. And I think that is... a. that is a big focus and thought to them is, will it work three games back to back? I mean, the slate of games, what, what I'll tell you is I, um, I, I kind of put, pieced together from various bits of information. And the actual slate I had was very similar to what we've got. But I'd heard that One it was, team out, Will. Well, I'd heard it was going to be Seahawks, Raiders, then Raiders, Chargers, Eagles, Jags. And the idea being that they'd get the Raiders to do back-to-back games in order to test a team being here back-to-back. But I think when the opportunity to get Tennessee over then arises, and you know it's a team who haven't been before, then you, you take that opportunity while it's there, rather than putting a, a fourth or fifth Raiders game in the space of five or six years. It makes perfect sense, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if kind of what you were speculating to us privately, and as I say, you were literally one team out, might have two weeks ago been the slate of games, because I think that it does change that close to the deadline at times. So, so yeah, I mean, there's just no complaints. I mean, if the Titans had done the right thing and fired Mike Malarkey, I'd be even more excited, but you can't have everything. Uh, I still still genuinely believe that if Josh McDaniels is on the table and they get absolutely routed in New England this weekend, that, that I wouldn't write that off at all. I, I, I know it would be amazing to have a coach go to the playoffs for the first time in eight years to win a playoff game on the road when it's underdogs more, more with than, a big comeback. It's more how, how much they've backed themselves into the corner with the statement that they put out, isn't it? I think they don't care. If Josh McDaniels is available, I don't think there's any loyalty there. I think they would back out of it in a heartbeat. I hope so. I believe. Um, do we want to break down the games? Do you want to hear from our guests? How do we want to approach this? Live um, on air production meetings. The, the only thing I would say is that I am in personal agreement with lots of the respondents on Twitter that I, I think the idea of Tottenham season ticket holders, and you could shed more light on it having spoke in more depth to Mark Will, but the idea of them getting preference and a window of opportunity to, to buy single game tickets to me is a, is a terrible one. So the, the idea with it is, and this is something I'd heard a rumour of a couple of weeks ago, and I'd heard some social media buzz about it. I think Daniel Levy might have mentioned it at one point when asked if Spurs fans would get an opportunity, that it was something they were exploring. When I put it to Mark in the press conference, to Mark Waller, the Mark is first name terms, hey buddy. When I put it to Mark Waller in the press conference, I, I, I set out in those terms. Somebody else had asked about uh roger goodgrove from double coverage had asked about how will season ticket renewals work how will the tickets work etc 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 they said there'll be more ticket information the 18th of january it's likely that's when we'll find out the timings of the games as well for my money i suspect we're going to get 
late games for both the Raiders and Chargers home games because they don't want to put that on when it's going to be on TV at 6am, 6.30am West Coast time. But then Jags, uh, Eagles, that's two good playoff teams from this year. Carson Wentz against that Jags defence. That's a game you could sell as a Sunday night football game next season or a Monday night football game next season. So I think they will put that in its... Go on. To be to be fair, I mean the, the quality of the matchups you could sell them as the full-on Sunday night football in the US game. That, I mean that Auckland Seattle game is if that isn't the game of the week that week, I'd be stunned. Well, and then this is it. So I think with that with that one, they will they'll put the Jags into the early window because it's like a prime time game, and they can sell it on that basis. But I'd be really surprised. Remember that one of those other two games is going to fall at the beginning slash end of half term. So that will. Um, so that will also be part of it as well. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I, so I think all of that is still to come into, come into factor. But off the back of that question, I asked him, well, I'd heard this about um, Spurs season ticket holders, that once season ticket holders have got their... Um, uh, once season ticket holders have got their allocation, are Spurs season ticket holders then going to get kind of first right of refusal at the remaining single game tickets and in the press conference he initially basically went that's something that has been discussed in fact it was discussed again this morning and it's something that we are continuing to discuss to make sure that you know there will be an element where we can try and get because for the nfl that's getting new fans through the door to watch live football and i'm sorry like i know that people will be annoyed about it particularly with the quality of that matchup maybe they'd be less annoyed if it was browns vikings but the fact is, for the NFL, they want to reach a new audience. That's a win-win for them. People coming to the stadium, they're so used to seeing a new sport. I know a lot of people who didn't get the NFL until they saw it live. They went to a random game because a mate had a ticket, because they could get a ticket through work, whatever it was, and they enjoy. They got it much more after seeing it live. That's why they're the, thinking the issue, about it. And I'm not defending the, the decision the issue, necessarily. But just to clarify, the, the, mate, before we move on, just to clarify, what Mark Waller said in the secondary part of the interview was essentially that they are looking it wasn't literally that they were going to get first refusal but they were looking at ways to involve that so it might be that of the leftover tickets they get like a 5000 allocation of the remaining 25000 that's still not great well, but it's better than the first answer which made it sound like you know if they buy up all the tickets then they're going to be none available to the average fan but, I mean, that brings a couple of interesting questions for me as to whether the cap the season tickets, because I think they could sell 60,000 season tickets for this slate of games. I mean, they might not do that every year, but I think for these three games they could, and that would leave 1,000 tickets left. Now, I'm sure with the will cap up below that, but how far below it do you go? And, and secondly, I, I mean, I think it's great romantic idea in theory for you that you've pointed out there, Will, but I also think that when it's a ticket that's going to be as hot as this one at Tottenham this year, if I was a season ticket holder for Spurs not interested in the NFL, I'd absolutely buy one and sell it on the secondary market. I mean, you know, it's not. I personally might not because I, I'd never even buy tickets on the secondary market, but I can completely understand why people would. I mean, it's an easy way to make some money, isn't it? And I, and I think that's how a lot of fans would look at it. Uh, yeah. I, I, and, and I understand, and the thing is, there's always loads of tickets going around the week of the game. I don't know if the same will be true when the Seahawks are in town. I think that might be one of those weeks where actually you will struggle to find some tickets. There won't be a huge amount of them available on secondary ticket websites. So that is just a, a minor concern to the idea that you will go and be able to buy tickets on the secondary market. I think they will be few and far between, and you won't necessarily be able to get like... Uh, most people I know can get a game ticket for face value or even less than face value on the week of the game if they want to go and they're a more casual fan and they just fancy it, basically. That's certainly what we did this year with a couple of my mates. Interesting. It's not a bad problem to have more demand than tickets, though, is it? Which the interesting, of the... One final thing... Yeah, go on. One final thing I'd say on the tickets is interesting to me that that Seahawks game is at... Tottenham and I know that they want to open the game with open the stadium with a really big game but I mean they could have sold Wembley out 
more than oh. once for that game as well, couldn't they? So yeah, hundred percent. That's an interesting decision, but ultimately understand why because it'll be an amazing occasion to to play the first NFL game on that stadium with those two teams. Yeah, look, the Jaguars and Shard Khan has made it pretty clear he doesn't want the Jags playing away from Wembley right now, which is a potential stumbling block to what Daniel Levy said in the press conference, which was, "I'm uh, we are confident." that we are moving in the direction that an NFL team will come play in London and we want to be the base for that team. That's why we've put so much effort and money into, you know, making sure that we had a multi-purpose stadium. That that could be an issue if the Jags end up being the team that move over. Now, I understand there are a couple of other teams in that mix, uh, the Chargers being one of them, of course. Um, but yeah, I think you then say, well, Jags has to be at Wembley. Titans, Chargers is, from a purist perspective, I think that's a really great matchup. But I think that's the one that is the least sexy, able to sell, big name superstar kind of matchup. That's the one where you're much less, yeah. you know, okay, they've got some great names in there, Philip Rivers and Melvin Gordon and Marcus Mariota, but it's not the same as Russell Wilson. It's not the same as Richard Sherman. Um, and it's not the same as John Gruden. Let's be honest, that's how they're going to sell the Raiders. No, it isn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. you're absolutely right. And Shall we hear from our, from our guests? Let's do it. All right. Uh, there is actually still a slight delay in the line. People are going to notice it, but you know what? I want to get this out sooner rather than later. I'd rather people heard it and just dealt with a slight delay. So uh, it's going to be all right, guys. It'll be fine, I promise. Uh, let's hear, first of all, from OC Humanura and then from Mark Waller, the Executive Vice President of uh, Events and International. Mark Waller with the you know, more interesting logistical points and certainly OC uh, you know, just hyped, just ready to go. OC, first of all, great slate of six games announced for 2018. Yeah, outstanding. Um, everybody, all the teams that are coming out here are really good football teams. There's nobody that anybody's going to complain about. Uh, so I think the people out here in England are going to be really excited about this. Five top-tier quarterbacks and potentially, depending what happens with the Jags, another one. Bet you'd like to still be out there chasing after these guys. Yeah, that would be fun, but, you know, sadly I'm retired. I'm enjoying retirement, but, you know, all the quarterbacks that are coming out here are going to be good. Even Blake Bortles, uh, he has his ups and downs. He's inconsistent, but when he's on, he can, be, he can be up there with the best of them. So we have some really good players coming out here. How impressed have you been with Tottenham today, what you've seen of the stadium, the preparations ready for that first game in October? Yeah, it's been, it's been incredible. I think um, the commitment that they've made, the vision that they had to actually even try to merge the two sports has, has been really good. So I'm really excited to see what the stadium looks like when it's complete. Should be a, good, a great time. And we expect those are two teams who went into the playoffs last year looking like Super Bowl favourites for various reasons, didn't make it, missed the playoffs this year. Are we expecting them to bounce back and be good again mid-October next year? We would hope so. I think John Gruden is an outstanding coach for Oakland Raiders. Pete Carroll, we all know his track record. So these are two teams that are going to be looking to bounce back from quite disappointing seasons this year, and I expect them to do so. And finally, you're a man who knows Tom Coughlin well. We've got that all-playoff matchup in the middle there, the, the Eagles at the Jags. Do you think the Jags can go back to Pittsburgh this weekend and, despite the lack of experience, beat the Steelers? I don't see why not. I think um, defensively they have everything that, that it takes. Pittsburgh obviously has a great offense. They have all those weapons, Roethlisberger, Bell, Brown. But the, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the weapons to be able to slow those guys down. Mark Waller, great slate of games announced today. Exciting. They, they look good 12 months out. We'll see 12 months from now. As you know, a lot changes in our sport. But we work really hard uh, with our scheduling folks and, uh, and with the commissioner to make sure that the games that we're bringing are a combination of new teams, which we're really pleased, one in each game, and yeah, really high-class competitive uh, teams, three teams in the playoffs this weekend. So it's exciting. It's exciting. I, hope fan, I really hope fans are excited for it. Considering you were making the step back from four games to three games, how important was it with that in mind to make sure that they were really good games and new teams? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a step back, as I tried to explain. I mean, we want to make sure that the first experience at Tottenham is, is hugely uh, successful, and we'll make that game up. So, But it, it's, it's, it's always important to get great matchups. You want fans to, um, to get the benefit of the best experience. So the new teams is also important if you're a seattle fan or a tennessee fan it's great to have, or a philadelphia fan it's great to have your team finally coming to the uk so we worked we did we we worked really hard on both competitive and and new teams was there ever conversation about having a fourth game either an extra game at wembley a game back at twickenham again this year yeah but we wanted to get the three games back to back to back and we wanted to open 
um, the series, so to speak, at, at Tottenham. And so getting that combination right really dictated that three games was going to be what works for everybody. In terms of Tottenham Stadium today, I mean, these facilities all look fantastic, but you do go outside, it is still not a finished football stadium, more than it was when I was last here about three or four months ago. But even so, um, how confident are the NFL that everything is going to be ready to go for a great fan experience come October 14th? Well, I have the benefit of, of actually announcing the first ever games at Wembley 11 years ago, and that too at the time, I think you might remember, was not only uh, a construction zone, it was also significantly behind schedule all, already. So uh, we feel really good. Um, you know, there's a lot of progress. I was here in December. A lot has moved on in the last six to, to eight weeks. There's a lot uh, to be done, but that, that's the nature of building stadiums, and particularly with the, the aggressive timeline Tottenham had of only taking one season uh, sort of away from home, so to speak. But now we feel good. Um, I asked you this, I'm sorry to repeat myself, I asked you this on stage, but there's been some conversation, some rumour that once the season ticket allocation has happened, that then Spurs season ticket holders will get some kind of first option on the remaining single game tickets. Is that something that's been explored? How would that work? Um, we've not explored that specifically. We definitely want to have an offering for Tottenham fans, but we're just working through now. Now that we know the three games, we know the schedule, we can really dig into the details. So we don't have an I don't have a direct answer for you yet, but obviously we want our current season ticket holders to be happy and we also want the Tottenham fans that are fans of the club to get a chance to have an NFL experience so we need to find the right balance there. Daniel Levy making all the right noises about if a team does come here we want to be the home of that team considering where you were 11 years ago how exciting is it here that kind of conversation happening now? I, I'm really excited. I've always felt that the, the growth that we've had in fan here would be reflected in more and more interest in the marketplace from stadiums, from, from owners, from media partners. So it's, it's just exciting to be part of something that's growing. At a time, I think, where the relationships between the UK and the US are really important for both, for both markets. So it's, it's great to be part of that. Is 2022 still a target date? Yeah, I, I, I've said all along that around that time is when the, the CBA gets renegotiated, our media deals get renegotiated, and we'll have been 15 uh, years or so working the marketplace. And I said in the, in the press conference, I don't, I don't think 11 years is, is a long time for the sort of thing that we're trying to, to accomplish here. So if, it, if it's 15 years and, and we do it, that would be, that would be amazing. Are you confident with the fan base as it is now, with these facilities here, that that timescale is still realistic and that, I mean, say that you did manage to go up games, if that availability was there, five games, six games, whatever it might be, are you still confident there's the fan base here to cover that many games? Yeah, totally confident in the fan base. I think the important thing is actually it's less about, I think, now the number of games. But I think it's much more about the sort of partnerships that we have in the media um, space, the sort of partnerships that we have commercially uh, that are able to help support the, uh, the growth. But I'm very confident in the fan base. Hey guys, it's Devon Sam here from LucasAid Sports Podcast, running the show. Check out this week's episode where we get to meet the one and only Anthony Joshua. Oh my goodness, do you think he wants to be friends with us now? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he told me that he wants to link up and have a bit of sparring. Yeah, sure he did. So head to all your podcast providers and click subscribe now. Also get in touch with us at LucasAid Sport using the hashtag running the show. You will not regret it. Right, that was OCU Manura and Mark Waller talking about those London games. Let's move on now. Some news from the last few days before we preview the divisional round. And let's start off with the clear out in Seattle. Darren, Darren, Darrell, Darrell Bevel cleared out. Seattle run has come to an end. The long-time offensive coordinator has been fired, according to uh, the NFL. What just happened? Just lifted up on my chair, man. Just calm that down. That was the loudest noise I've ever heard in my it's life. Horrible. Where you need some oil on the chair. That was genuinely like somebody just opened the door in a cheesy '80s slasher movie. It's the way I roll, man. Are you in Halloween? Is is this what's happening? No, I've just walked into my living room, though. Oh, sit down somewhere, pick a place, and get on with it. I've just sat down, man. <laughs> um, they also fired Tom Cable, uh, who came to Seattle with Bevel in 2011. Uh, Chris Richard is apparently being given the chance to seek other coaching opportunities as well. The defensive coordinator is not expected to return in 2018. 
Uh, yeah, Richard, whatever. <laughs> um, people won't know this, but we spent 20 minutes faffing around with technology, and I've got to get on with my real job soon. So, uh, Seattle making a, having a big clear out, making the changes, and I think this has been long overdue. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing's just gone a little bit stale, hasn't it? So it makes sense to to freshen everything up a little bit. Although I've just said that they're apparently going to interview Brian Schottenheimer, which, if if is true, just, just get Daryl Bevel back. <laughs> Not positive on that potential hire then, Matt? Not at all. Uh, the bigger kind of problem for me is what... The problem here has been squad building, as far as I can see. The problem here has been that John Schneider has not been able to put the right pieces around Russell Wilson, has not been able to complement the defence that he built so brilliantly three, four, five years ago. And this is the problem. Living off past glories is what cost Jerry Reese massively in New York, and it could potentially cost John Schneider as well and waste the talent they do have. Yeah, but I mean, you have to think that they're there for the long haul. I mean, Schneider, I think, turned down the chance to interview with Green Bay in the off-season. So, um, I, I think more for Seattle, it's about just, just kind of reloading and starting afresh. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with some of the veteran players. Obviously, there's a couple of guys, Averill and Chancellor, who have really serious injuries and might not actually play again. But there's also some guys who were heading into the last year of their contracts as well. And you, you just wonder whether a couple of those might be on the trading block and whether I think Seattle could be the most interesting team to watch this off-season. I think I've said that before. And, and you just get the feeling that they're ready to kind of start afresh next season. And look, when you've had such big changes in your, uh, in your division, when you've had the Rams jumping out of nowhere, when you've had the 49ers suddenly having a quarterback and going on a five-game winning streak to end the season... Uh, and then the Cardinals are all change. We don't know how well that's going to go straight away, but yeah. you can't be the team that stands still in that situation. No. The, and the thing is, it's not worked now for, for multiple seasons. So I just think the dynamics are wrong in the locker room. And I, and I think that ultimately they were, they were just killed by that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. I don't think they ever recovered from that. I mean, they still were a good team who got to the playoffs, but they weren't where they were at in the two seasons before that. And I think... To get back there, they realise that they need to make some changes. And now what about um, uh, the situation in Green Bay? Because we talked about this briefly at the... Uh, we talked about this briefly on the last show, but big clear out in Green Bay as well. Joe Philbin is back in. He's the offensive coordinator. Mike Pettin in as defensive coordinator. I mean, for Philbin, it's a case of bringing back the, the same guy that got the, the, the greatness out of early Aaron Rodgers, which I don't have an issue with necessarily. I know he had a real... With the best receiving car in the NFL at the time. Though. He did, indeed. He ne- I nearly got there without you pointing out. Um, <laughs> and he did have some problems, clearly, with man management during his uh, few seasons or two seasons with the Dolphins. But I love the Mike Pettin hire. Yeah, Mike Pettin. I mean, I said Rex Ryan... And Mike Pettin is is either the next best thing or, or actually equal to. I mean, I think I think that his defenses when he's been a coordinator, I think it's DVOA, the football outsider stat, have been like top five or six every single year he's been the D coordinator, and that's in a couple of different spots, the Jets and Buffalo. So listen, I think it's a great hire. I, I completely forgot he was out of out out of the game. To be honest, I mean. In terms of being a coordinator, it's just one of them where it just slips slips your mind. But when you see he's being hired, I just thought, yeah, that's an that's an unbelievably good hire. He's a great coach, and and just perfect. That's the kind of defense that they really should be playing with Aaron Rodgers on the other side. I mean, well, that's that's uh, the thing for me as well about this is that it's often forgotten with defensive coordinators that they can only do what they can achieve with the quarterback the team's got. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but if you've got a team that can't run any kind of ball control, that can't stay on the field, that can't run the ball, that can't eat the clock, then it becomes 10 times harder as defensive coordinator. You know, Rod Marinelli has undoubtedly done a good job with limited pieces in Dallas, but it helps a lot that he's got a great running back, a good quarterback, yeah. a great line on the other side just, who keep them off the field. Football, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you look at Mike Pettin's history and the people that he's had to work with on the other side of the ball, it is not a murderer's row of great quarterbacks and great offences. So yeah. I, I'm re- I think this is a really good combination in Green Bay. I, I, hate, I absolutely hate the Philbin hire. I mean, 
as as good as Patton is, the Felber one just is awful to me because I think that offence, if staff needed an injection of new ideas, and I think that's been it's so stale the offence, and it's it's increasingly become Karen Rogers make a play on his own with we his legs. We don't know if it's going to continue to be stale. That he could have had some why, time why away from the game, rethink it, called the All plays that took him. T- took them to the 2010-2011 Super Bowl. He called the plays in that season. Yes, he didn't call the plays. Call. He was the coordinator. He never, ever called the plays. I but think you'll find that was one of those seasons where Mike McCarthy claimed that he'd handed off the play calling. I don't think that happened when I think if you go and look it up, was there. I think if you go and look I'll it look up, it up but it never when happened. I was reading about the Philbin hire, it literally said, Philbin called plays in the playoff run that took them to that Super Bowl. Mm. So there sure you go. True. Well... I, I to I'm reporting it. from somebody who knows more about the NFL than I do. So fine, but I, I, listen, I just think they needed fresh ideas, and they're not going to get it. And I think that's a problem. And they also, uh, they've also, obviously, we t- we talked about how they brought in Brian Gudekunst, the uh, which means quality art, by the way, just in case you were wondering, in German. Um, and that scene in the same process, Elliot Wolf go out the door uh, and heads to the Browns to work under John Dorsey. Um, the Raiders also showed some interest in Wolf. I mean, he's obviously got the fact that uh, Ron Wolf is his father, is a big deal for Elliot Wolf. I, I thought this was a little bit jumpy moving into this assistant GM role at a team that's been a bit of a dumpster fire. I always, I really like the John Dorsey hire, and I get the idea of going to work with him. But the feeling is, is that Elliot Wolf was the next GM after this. He wasn't quite ready now, but that he was, you know, he's got the Packers' legacy, and I think that was their long-term plan for him. And he's still only yeah, but the, the, the way the, the way the Packers work, you're looking at that being in in ten years' time. I mean, it's not like it's happening next season. He's only thirty-five. And, yeah, true, but I, I I just think you've. I mean, when it, when it, a guy who was pretty young himself gets the job ahead of you. Like, it's not like there's any end in sight for his tenure, is there? So you can understand it. And and sometimes when it's such a legacy of kind of your father in a place like that, it's good to get out, isn't it? And, and do it somewhere different and maybe he does it somewhere different successfully for a few years and then an opportunity to go back to Green Bay comes. I mean... My my concern no, is that the the opportunity at the Browns comes up sooner rather than later because that's how that organisation has worked in the last few years. He takes that job in a year or two years' time. It's too much for him, and uh, longer term, it's bad for his career. I just I, I, I'm not ready to accept the Browns as anything but a dumpster fire until I see anything different. I mean, I'm never ready to do it again, as I, as I said on the last show, but. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just think clearly the the pair of them were vying for the Green Bay job. They've chose the other guy, so it's it's a slightly uncomfortable situation, isn't it? I mean, that's just that's just life. And I like the fact that Green Bay have gone with the other guy because you can get nepotism in those situations, and and maybe clearly they think that I'm not even trying to pronounce his name is is the right guy for them, and they've chosen him, and I, and I, and I like that. You're not going to pronounce Gutekunst. Gudekunst. <laughs> oh, I like it when you do it. It's a little bit camp. Um, <laughs> what did you think of uh, Mike Schuler and Ken Dorsey being relieved of their duties well, in it, Carolina? It's another. It's another one where I mean, Schuler to me has done a very good job with that, that offense. So clearly, I mean, you never know because you don't know what's going on in the building. There may have been some problems this year, so it's understandable. But when you say the replacement, it couldn't fill you with less excitement, could it? I mean, we, North Turner is, is yesterday's man with with this thing now. And we saw how bad the Vikings were last year and how good they've been this year since he left. With, I mean, their offensive line's better, but it's not a million times better, isn't it? I, I hate the hire. I, I, I really hate the hire. It's, I, it's I get just not they, a progressive move. I get that they want to make Cam Newton a more traditional pocket quarterback. That's but it's not going to work, aim. is it? They, they need to accept what he is and accept that that's the best way for them to win. And if that means that you've got a 10-year window to win instead of a 17-year window to win, then that's the way it is, isn't it? Because that's the player that he is. Um, they, I mean, it, there's a big enough sample now that it doesn't work. And the thing is, Mike Shuler has been his guy all along. He is... Cam's guy and has been there for basically the entire time. And I think did he was he quarterback coach when uh, when he first turned up and then moved up to offensive coordinator. I want to say I'm not sure. I, can't, I, I wouldn't know the time. And I've made that claim. I've made that claim, and I'm now looking it up. And it is he started there in 2011. So yeah, he literally yeah, so he, he's, he's been his coach the whole time. Yeah, the whole right through time. the door with him. So 
they I I get the the thinking about shaking it up. I don't get the higher. I but don't the, get the it problem at all. is when I, you look I at the great that, uh, offensive minds that were in the league last season and went on to get jobs elsewhere in the in the Carl Shanahan's and in the Sean McVeighs and obviously you've still got like I know Gruden will only go to a head coach job but there's there's kind of three or four really good offensive young minds in the league just North Turner get, yeah. oh it's just painful and and it's the fact that really strategizing around somebody like Cam is a unique challenge that. Shula's done a really great job of. The, the issue is that they've got, got no offensive line. So that's what needs resolving. They need to get... I mean, Daryl Williams, their tackle this year has been really good, their right tackle. But they need a new left tackle. They have got a couple of good guards, but the line just... The line doesn't play as well as the talent, actually. So maybe that is something that you could criticise the coordinator for. But I, I'm not sure. I just, I just feel like he's done a good job and... and if they went and got like a spread guy, like someone from the Chip Kelly school, you'd be excited. But North Turner, it's just like, really? Let's talk uh, about these weekend's games. Divisional round. It is here. It is time for a big set of matchups in the NFC. And an maybe intriguing set of matchups in the AFC. Let's just go through it chronologically, I reckon. Yeah. Happy with that? So, for the first time in the history of gambling in the NFL, which I assume is the history of the NFL, but certainly in the time you've been given lines on the favourites, a sixth seed is the favourite going in to face a one seed. The Atlanta Falcons on Saturday evening go up against the Philadelphia Eagles, aiming to take down the top seed after their 26-13 win over the Rams last weekend. And you can see the reason why. Nick Foles, that 6 nothing loss to the Cowboys, with a reasonably decent strength team, I absolutely get that that was one of the most dreadful performances we've seen from anyone all year. But I, I'm just, I've, I've been talking myself more and more into it as this week goes on, that I think Don't the Eagles it. might get the upset. The Eagles aren't getting the upset. I think, let me, let me just lay out some of, the, some of the reasons. The Falcons are going to a much tougher environment than LA, both physically and in terms of it the will crowd be like situation. In um, it's going to be completely different to going and playing in LA. A coliseum to an asylum, like you say. They're going to be... Th- that Philadelphia front seven is absolutely no joke, and I think the defence is good. And I know that Matt Ryan played a, a a brilliant game to still be able to be as cool and collected as he was under the pressure of Aaron Donald. I think given an extra week's rest, that's going to make a difference. You know I'm no Ajayi fan, but actually... Their run blocking has been brilliant in Philadelphia this season. Vitae's come in at left tackle and just been good from day one. He's had two weeks rest because they didn't play him in week 17 and they've still got a rotation there. I think the Eagles can win a tight game. I mean, my issue with the Eagles is the same issue that I said to you the day after Wentz got injured, which is I just think that their issues with falls are largely schematic and Wentz covered them up. I don't like their offence. They're in third and sixth more than any other team in the in the league. I think it was before Wentz got injured. I can't imagine that that's improved. And based on what I've seen, it hasn't improved. And Nick Foles isn't good enough to get them out of those spots. And you say the run blocking's been great, but they haven't been a consistently good running team this year. They've they've run well late in games that they've been up in when Wentz was healthy. And since Wentz has been down, you've seen the problem with them being able to move the ball because they don't have that amazing athletic quarterback to get them out of third and long situation the third, so, the third and long thing does concern me i just i watched back the, the the kind of extended highlights from the falcons game and i just realized how much went right for them in that game yeah yeah i mean how the, much the, it was the it was the biggest fool's gold win that you're ever going to see because they would I think i said they spotted 13 points and that's what they won the game by so i don't think the falcons i think the falcons win this game and then get easily beaten by whoever they play in the NFC Championship game, unless the confidence of winning the games changes that whole team. But their offence is still an absolute mess. It really is. And it was in the first half against the Rams. It got better in the second half as the game wore on. But I wouldn't say that's because of the scheme. I mean, I think the scheme is still a huge problem. So that's this is not a huge vote of confidence for the Falcons. It's just a... It's sad. I mean, honestly, imagine if, if Carson Wentz was healthy, how much different this whole weekend and whole playoffs would look. And don't get me wrong, I there is there is an increasing chance that I'm going to be going to Murica for the NFC Championship game. And oh, Is that set, happening then or what? It's looking more and more likely. 
secret. There, there is a, a a list of things that needs to be promised before it happens. And if my bosses say yes to them, then we go. Great. And I think that they were. Pre- it was a pretty reasonable list. That's my feeling on it. Um, so I desperately want the Falcons to win and for New Orleans to win and to end up back in New Orleans. But I don't even want to think about how upset <laughs> I'm going to be if that happens. I will be. F- uh, I will be <laughs> periscoping you, Instagram living you, Facebook living you from all I the way down Frenchman any- Street. <laughs> I don't want anything from Frenchman Street and anything from Willie Mays. And if you do either of those, Willie... Oh, I didn't um, even think about Willie Mays. You'll have a knife Mays. in your neck at the point when you see me in Minnesota. A knife, knife. in my... A knife! I'm talking murder, mate. <laughs> oh, my God. This is this got dark <laughs> quick. You are wow. I saw, I saw a list of the best 10, ten places to visit Noel earlier on. Guess what was number one? Of course it was New Orleans, wasn't it? The best place on earth. Um... I think I'm still shading the Falcons, but I just think the Eagles are being written off in a lot of quarters a little too quickly. I'm hoping the Eagles can win both games somehow because uh, if the parents get the Super Bowl, they'll destroy them. So. Oh, here, here we go. Right, let's talk about Patriots-Titans now. Uh, it's a huge favourite line, 13.5 points. We don't need to get into this game in too much depth. Here is how the Titans can beat the New England Patriots. An insane amount of luck. Proper a proper running game, not just a couple of big explosive moments. Don't play call. Let Marcus Mariota do it all himself. And that defense, and particularly that that middle pairing with Jarrell Casey, has to be in Tom Brady's face absolutely all day long. I think I think Brady needs to get injured for them to win the game. <laughs> Fairly early on as well. Um, and. I think they've got good man cover corners. I think in in um, in Adoree Jackson, they've got someone who can stay with Brandon Cooks and has the speed to travel with him. I think that over the middle, they're in real problems. That's where they're in real trouble. I just think they're in real problems. Yeah, so do I. But I'm just trying to find a way to make this game sound more interesting. I don't think it's interesting. I mean, listen, and I'm fully aware that this probably comes back to biters on the behind, and I get pelters on Twitter come. Saturday night or Sunday morning. But, but, but by the way, it has to be said, the speed of response when you tweeted about how you're not biased about the Patriots, that we got a <laughs> gift through immediately. That's why I said it. <laughs> with though. Ian McKellen just going, bollocks. It was very funny. It was I, well I, done. I want to say it was Adam Fa- Foxcroft, but I'd need to double check it. Also, the Patriots running backs against the titans front not the titans front seven but what the rams but, did to but, the titans with the screen game yeah Jay- absolutely. james white I mean, I, has a potential to go for 200 yards and four touchdowns well any of the three do if burkhead's healthy and then Dion lewis has been more involved in the passing game the last few weeks i mean that's where they'll kill them for me is the backs out of the backfield not running the ball but as pass catchers problems can we talk about i him? just think the periods are ready as well i, I, I get the feeling that the, every player on the on the roster left, not the IR guys, obviously practiced today. They're getting guys healthy. Their their run defense is going to be way better than the numbers suggest with play, players getting healthy and the fact that they've got better down the stretch. I think actually it could be a really dominant run defense now with the with the players we've got. I just think the they gave up, they, they gave up some they gave up some passing yards. Third in the league, third worst in the league for uh, air yards per game. That's something. Yeah, but that's misleading as well because the secondaries play great for a lot of the year. I mean, their secondary is really. I think their defense is going to be a lot better than people think. In the numbers don't lie, buddy. Numbers don't. They do lie, and you know that they do more than more than anybody. (laughs) I my my kind of feeling at the moment is that the Patriots are going to go to the Super Bowl, and we, as neutrals of the world, need them to be facing the Vikings or the Saints. If they're facing, without doubt, either of the other teams, then it's going to be an embarrassment. I've just said what I said about the, the Eagles, but that's uh, for Super Bowl week, I'm desperate for it to be the Saints or the Vikings. And maybe the Falcons is intriguing, I think, because it's a rematch. Everybody but the Eagles! <laughs> right, should we talk about a game that's going to be actually competitive? And that means we yeah. need to skip on to Sunday night. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, the Steelers primed for a rematch with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacks went in there in week five, put a 30-9 to hurting on the Steelers, but... That was a team that had a fully fit, fully functioning Leonard Fournette running for 180 yards and a couple of scores. That was a team that picked off uh, Big Ben five times. 
and didn't have Juju Smith-Schuster to playing to the level that he's been playing at in the last 10 games or so. This feels like a very, very different matchup for Jacksonville. And unless we see the Blake Bortles of three to six weeks ago rather than the last three weeks, uh, I, I don't think they're going to be able to hide him. Although one, one bit of news, Artie Burns went out of training and may not play on Sunday. No, I think he's back now. I think he's all really? right. Though, isn't Brilliant. He? Great. Yeah, I don't think it's too bad. But I have a theory that Ben Roethlisberger is not equipped to deal with this kind of defence at this point in his career. So I think the Jaguars can be very competitive and potentially win the game. The big key for me is, I mean, they ran the ball on them without Shazier, with Shazier, you've got to remember, in the first game. The huge key for me is the need to open the game up a bit more for balls and and just live or die with it, really. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But you you can't do what they did the other day and let the Steelers just completely crowd the line of scrimmage. They've got to try and throw some deep balls. And is Fournette healthy? Because I'm just not sure he is. No, he looks to me like he's not. And he missed And that's the big problem. That's been the big change the last few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, I hugely. Think. Hugely. And, the, um, uh, and you see the... I'm trying to think which game it was. Was it the 49ers game? There was a game where... Um, no, it must have been earlier than that. When was it? There was, a, there was a game where, in that three-game stretch where balls was really good, where the play action was just... You know, it was Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson level of play action. It was right up there. And you're just going, like, even if you don't like balls, those are some well-thrown balls. Yeah. But they just don't have the ability to set up the play action. I don't think Portals is a terrible rollout quarterback and a terrible play action quarterback. I think that's in his repertoire. But he's the problem is, is that's when you only have to make one read and then react to that one read I'm not sure he, because I'm you've not rolled sure out. Portals can ultimately handle the moment. I think is the problem. I think he, I think he was terrified last week. I think he's scared to make mistakes in the big moments, and understandably so, given how many he's made in his career. But I, I, I really, I really, really believe that Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career, as as much as he's looked a lot better than he did at the point of that Jaguars game in the in the weeks since, I'm just not convinced he's he's equipped to deal with this defense. But we'll see. Yeah, um, and it is a defense that you can never count out, and it's a defense full of all pro and pro bowl players and the best cornerback duo and everything that we've said that's positive about it over the last seventeen weeks. Um, I just. I think this occasion might be too big for them. Let's Quite talk, possibly. Let's talk about the game of the weekend, the game that has been saved for the Sunday night, the New Orleans Saints. And do you know what? It's not even the game of the weekend. It's the battle of the weekend between the most balanced offence in the NFL and the most simple but effective defence. I cannot wait for the first time Drew Brees takes the field against the Vikings this weekend, and I can't wait to watch three hours of that happening. It's going to be magical. Unbelievably magical, and I can't wait to see what the Saints' offensive game plan is either. Because I mean, they've they've basically not used Breeze for a lot of this season. But then we saw last week that when they need to go to him, it appears they can go to him now in the same way they could ten years ago, and he can produce comparable results. So, and we were just talking about the matchup in Week Five for the Jags and Steelers. Let's not forget these two teams met in Week One, and the the Vikings won twenty nine nineteen. But Drew Breeze, I'll never, I'll never forget it. Will. Through all that over was the them. night that Sam Bradford made <laughs> about five of the best throws that I've ever seen in my life. And the problem is, is that Sam Bradford made those throws and that won the game for the Vikings. Because actually it will be forgotten in history because of the loss that Drew Brees was sensational that day. Whilst the run game with Adrian Bleeden Peterson only ran yep. for 60 yards total between the three running backs. This time we're going to have a much more studied backfield. The Galvin steadied backfield of Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. I know they didn't have a good game last weekend, but that's because because the Panthers really sold out against the run, having seen just how much they damaged them uh, the two times earlier in the season. Breeze is playing kind of to Tom Brady level, the quality of football for a guy later in his career to suddenly have had a step up over the last few weeks. And actually, they've got a defence capable of hurting this Minnesota offence. Cam Jordan is a wrecking ball. Marshawn Lattimore is a top three corner in the NFL already. I, I, this is a great matchup. Yeah, awesome. It's I mean you can't say enough things about the game. I think the I think the coaching matchup is incredibly intriguing as well. I think Sean Payton has kind of rediscovered himself a bit this season after after really three really bad years, um, barring the bizarre fourth down decisions. And and Mike Zimmer, I mean, what more can you say about Mike Zimmer? He's a great coach. 
he might be the second best coach in the NFL. He's he's awesome. I mean, that defense is is just so much better than the sum of its parts, and it's all because of Mike Zimmer and I, the and players I, love him. He's and I just don't great. think the sum of its parts is is not much to be discounted either. I feel like if people have listened to yeah, this podcast it's got regularly, huge amounts of talent, but still, it's even better than the talent that it is. I mean, when you've got basically a forty-year-old playing one of your cornerback positions, you know, I mean, it's. But, but what that what the talent is 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 talent built around that scheme and it's great it's great to see the I love the Vikings there's so much harmony between what the GM does and what the head coach does and you don't see enough in the NFL players signed specifically for roles and it just works everything works and and it's interesting that um, I feel like the only unit in the last like four or five years that I've been as excited about as this defense is uh, when I was uh, really, really eschewing my man love for uh, the offense at uh, the offense in Washington over the past couple of years before it. It is simple. Yeah. It's two schemes. They don't do any fancy rotations. It's not lots of substitutions, but they've got a bunch of guys, a starting 11 who have all played together for three years at least. So all kind of semi-veterans and yes, they're getting high level play out of some older guys, which is always both brilliant, but a concern. I, yeah, I, I, this is really down the middle for me and anyone going into Minnesota almost, I felt should have been knocked down the middle, but the Saints, if there's one team that can go in there and beat them, I think it's them. I just think any down the middle game, I favour the home team. So I would back Minnesota to win it. I think I'm, yeah, I'm Shay. I, I, did. I mean, you're massively ruling with your, your heart because I can tell you, as jealous I'd be about New Orleans, I ain't jealous about you going to minus 30 degree Minnesota for two, twice in two weeks. You I'd obviously haven't seen once. my incredible new coat that I shared online. I, I have seen it, but it's still minus 30 degrees. I'll tell Unless you. Unless that coat is doubling up as a balaclava, there's still a part of your body and skin that's going to be in the open. Uh, I've got, I've got some extra protection it does cover quite a lot of my face thank you very much and uh and and, and it's a uh, good up to minus 50 degrees because it's lined with down tell you when you'll be guilty when you'll be jealous when you see me hanging out with pat in minnesota uh, two weeks before you even get there yeah that's true actually what a guy pat is what a guy um, yeah, I, I, I mean i've met him once in my life and i had the deepest two-hour conversation that I've ever had in my life with him. And we're going to meet that guy again in two, three weeks' time. We're going to go ice fishing. And do you know what Graves has offered to do? Richard Graves yeah, and Sky. Yeah, he's bringing the Sky cameras. He's planning to bring the Sky cameras along when we ice fish to film us doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That strikes me as something that'll be fun for five minutes, and that's just like... Right, we want to just get on with ice fishing and drinking, thank you now. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're going to leave it there, Matthew, because I've got to go do my real job and we've kind of talked ourselves out. Any thoughts on the London games on the divisional weekend? Tweet us at Gridiron. He's at Matthew Gridiron. I'm at Will Gav. Uh, don't forget, touchdown trips. Ben Mortimer is going to join us next week. They've still got Super Bowl packages available. If you want to come and join us for a bit of ice fishing in the great cold north, it's going to be a lot of fun. So there's still packages available there at touchdowntrips.com. Uh, Matthew Sherry, any final thoughts? Just sign up to our Super Bowl party. It's free. It's awesome. It's on our website. Beautiful. Thank you very much for listening. Love you. Bye. This has been The Gridiron Show.